Welcome to the Growing With Fishes podcast. This week we have Ryder Farms Aquaponics. Thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, they've been uh, really cool. We just started talking to them. Marty and I got to know them over the last couple of, uh, I guess maybe a month or two, and a uh, really cool group of people out of Oklahoma. They're going to be telling us all about growing vegetables there and commercial aquaponics this week. So it's going to be a really great episode. We also have uh, Marty. How's it going, Marty? Good, good. It's been been kind of a long week. We had the class over the weekend, like you were talking about. So, back back to my normal job too. So, I'm I'm a little tired tonight, but uh, we'll we'll hang in there as long as I can. Good for you. We got our uh, Roger. How y'all doing tonight? We're having a great night. Welcome to show, Bob. Thank you. We got Mister. Hey, what's up, everybody? Glad to be here. Good to see you. We got. Uh, uh, fish conjure guy. Good evening, everybody. What's up, fish? I miss you all. Oh, uh, you don't have to miss me very long. I'll see you in like. Okay. <laughs> it's always nice to see you here too, man. Yeah. It's good yeah. to be seen. Who else on the panel is going to Emerald this weekend? I know. Don't don't rub it in. I bought a Fender Telecaster instead of going to Emerald. Oh, okay. I can't leave. I can't leave, but we're happy. We're happy, so I don't mean to bum everybody out. So. I never go anywhere in flower. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I don't. That's a good point too. You know, that's a very good point. <laughs> and on with the show. Yeah. Right. yeah, there's a lot of news this week. After after I guess it's going to be a really good episode this week. So a lot of things to talk about. A lot of important things to talk about too. A lot of big things changing and improving for our markets. Thanks a lot for joining us, Bob. Uh, you're uh, with Ryder Aquaponics based out of Oklahoma. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your, your system and what, what you guys do there? All right, well, we're uh, just south of Tulsa, Oklahoma, where we're at. Been practicing it about 10 years now. We, uh, we've just kind of been trying for the past few years, everything, see what grows best. and uh, what we can do, what we can't do. And so far we've managed to be able to grow about anything we, that we've tried. Uh, we, uh, we're about growing organic, uh, we're an organic farm that grows inside and outside, but we're practicing aquaponics, but we, uh, grow a lot of tomatoes and cucumbers and, you know, obviously lettuce, most aquaponics people around here see is growing lettuce, but we, we've got, uh, everything going on in there. Yeah, we got a crop of beets going right now. Uh, quite a bit of turmeric and ginger going right now. Celery. Uh, yeah, celery. And, uh, man, you name it, and all the herbs and all we're growing. But, but uh, we managed to uh, kind of get it down. We still got a lot to learn. Uh, we're learning every day, but uh, we've come a long ways in the past few years. Of we've, uh, you know, kind of got the attention of a couple of the universities around here. That, come out quite often and uh, wanting our research and our numbers and things. So we're starting to work with them now, but uh, we're, we're growing. We're getting very popular. I know that. So what kind of work are you doing with uh, some of the local universities there? It sounds really interesting. Well, they, uh, like I said, most of them this thing lettuces and, and the greens and all, and one, uh, uh, one of the ag department from OSU had come out and, he was blown away by things he's seen in there. Like, you know, a lot of the root vegetables, I don't think you can do, but one he seen was 
growing the, the root vegetables and just a multiple of different uh, vegetables and all. They, he just couldn't believe it because he, he said of all the uh, aquaponic systems around Oklahoma he's seen, he ain't seen multiple things grown like that. And uh, so, uh, like I say, it's, it's really got their attention. So they've started coming out regularly and uh, talking to us. And uh, basically, they're wanting to know uh, my numbers, uh, what it takes to put together, what you can grow, how quick you can grow it. Uh, I expected them to come out here a little over a week ago to tell me what I was doing wrong. But they, uh, I guess I was, they come out and they're learning from me. So uh, I was pretty I was pretty proud after they left. I felt, made me feel better about what I was doing, more about what I know what I was doing. So, but uh, we'll probably see more of them. Uh, they're starting to move towards it and teach it, and going to have some uh, in some schooling on it. And I think they're just learning themselves too. Uh, they they know the science of it and all, but seeing it actually in action uh, kind of intrigued them. So. Uh, you know, they've invited us to join up with them to anything we need as far as testing goes. Their facilities, uh, we're welcome to it. And then in return, I think they're just wanting to know our numbers and how we're doing it. So looks like we're going to be working together quite a bit here in the near future. It's really wonderful. So yeah. what, what, kind of, what varieties of things, especially lettuce, a lot of people ask what variety of lettuce is the best, especially for a, a place like Texas or Oklahoma other places in the south what, what kind of varieties that work best for you well have we planted out there lettuce. Best. yeah lettuce uh, uh, we usually we do the green ice lettuce romaine lettuce yeah, romaine romaine does real real well uh microgreens um swiss chard we do cauliflower um collard greens okra we do a little bit of everything. Moringa trees. Uh, but uh, we uh, that's where I have fun in growing different things and different variety. We are growing ginger and turmeric and aquaponics, uh, the media now, and uh, which is a big demand. Um, you can't grow eucalyptus here in Oklahoma, but I can grow it in aquaponics. I've got one that's about 15 feet tall and uh, but we don't focus on a whole lot of lettuce we just plant a little in there but you, if you walk in our greenhouse you're going to see a lot of tomatoes bell peppers uh beets uh and okra kale. Uh, and the kale that's that's what you're going to see the most of in ours and then uh we got a couple of beds you know with all the turmeric and ginger stuff like that in it and all but we uh we're not focused on here at our facility here on the farm as production we'll plant stuff see how well it does and, and then pull it up and plant something else but we're still kind of in our research and development stage basically it's just all about training and teaching on this facility now some of our other greenhouses that we put up with the aquaponic systems in it we give the people an option to plant for us if they uh, want to do it as a business we'll tell them what we want them to grow for us and then we'll, we buy back from them like for instance uh we've got one facility up and they grow nothing but bell peppers for us and then we got one facility that grows all uh, uh, tomatoes or 
one that does cucumbers, strawberries. We got one that does strawberries and all. And some of them will plant a couple beds for themselves and they'll plant the other beds for us. And we buy back, which helps them fund what they're doing. And that's how we that's how we collect our vegetables that we sell to the community and all. So it's kind of like a co-op thing going on. But it uh it's had a good start for about the past five years, but it's uh it's really rolling strong right now. I mean I'm I've got I've got a lot of systems going up and uh I actually am mason by trade, do uh, stone and brickwork, and I have actually uh, turned the business over to my two partners, and I'm in as a silent partner so I could go into this full time because it's consuming all my time dealing with it now. So putting a crew together, and uh, we probably got about 25 uh, systems under our, under our belt right now. And it's, I mean, we get calls every day on them now probably two to three calls a day of serious ones wanting to put these systems in. But, uh, but we, uh, we got our second house going up right now, a hundred by 20 that we're going to put into production, but we're going to put each bed with a different species of fish or, uh, just different things in there to each bed. So we can show the different species of different kinds of fish, crawdads, uh, different things like that to each bed. Use it kind of as a showroom of what all you can use and each bed have one vegetable in it running off that one tank. And then we're fixing, after that, we'll put the third one up and the third one will be all about production here on the farm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some studies on uh, per square foot versus what you can grow in aquaponics, what you can grow outside uh, traditional growing. And I'm gonna do some uh, comparisons there uh, on my third house so i'm gonna i'm gonna deck it out from ceiling to floor and the walls and hang it in there i'm every square inch and i'm gonna i'm gonna try to prove that you can uh, grow 40 acres inside of a 20 by 100 greenhouse in 12 months time that's what my goal is But, I, I, I have a question for you and you know obviously you guys have put a lot of work and you know probably a significant amount of investment and all that kind of stuff yes um, in, into it so why why aquaponics versus you know so so many other different means of farms like especially oklahoma yeah. you know imagine there's yeah. you know, how it's been done for a long time kind of scenarios and i think everybody who's been bitten by the aquaponics bug has a story so i, I like to ask what yours is yeah, I, uh, I've always grown a garden outside and uh, always lived in the country and raised my own beef and things like that. And it's, it's gotten to where anymore with the climate, uh, it's almost impossible to get a crop. I mean, there's too many disasters, uh, too many bugs. There's so many bugs now that's so immune to the sprays and all outside. And uh, it's just one thing after the other. Uh, what finally drove the nail in my coffin was I had a crop of corn and it was the best crop I'd ever raised. And I was a week away from harvesting this thing. And uh, we had a storm when the downburst come down and wiped it completely out. And I just had to throw it to the animals so I couldn't even harvest it. And uh, after that, I thought I'll never plant another, another crop outside. I would go inside where I can control the environment and uh, it'll be under my control uh, of growing. And then 
the aquaponics as I started it, started looking at it, it grows so fast uh, that I was amazed. When I first got into it, I had to prove it to myself, and I put a start actually start down on the front porch with a little bitty system in the aquarium in one little bed. And when I seen that it really did work and it, that it worked well, I took and put up a small greenhouse and run it for a year and uh, grow growed in it, eat out of it, and then come in January, one day, it was about 20 degrees, I got a tomato out and had a few people come over to try it and to get their opinion, and they couldn't believe it, the taste of it. It was just as good as growing outside, and it was in January here in Oklahoma with 20 degrees, and uh, it was just, it was a pretty sight, and so I decided right then, from here on out, I will be growing inside in aquaponics. I still practice outside just because it's in my blood, but our, our seriousness is uh, in aquaponics. And we, we truly believe in the, in the future, 20 years from now, biggest majority of our food will be grown that way. Thank you. We're, we're, we're pretty sure of that. Yeah, yeah. The, univers the universities, uh, I, I asked OSU, the egg. Yeah, it was here, and I said, "Off the record, do you think that this is future farming?" And he kind of looked at me and laughed and said, "That." So Bobby said, "That's why I'm here." He said, "I'm trying to lay the groundwork, the foundation for the investors, the banks, and the farmers on how this works and, and what they're looking at uh, to do it." He said, "I'm I'm laying the groundwork down for them." He said, "20 years from now, uh, all of our food would be grown this way." And I don't know if I agree with all of it, but uh, I I believe it big majority of it will be grown this way and that's always huge in their opinion you're lucky because uh a lot of the universities aren't haven't kept up there's a growing probably i'd say we might be bordering on maybe a third except that might be skewed by west coast you know because yeah. of some legalization out there but what I, what we're seeing we got a few here in the east and um and the thing is is they don't know anything about hydroponics or aquaponics for the no. most part most of the universities. So you're very lucky to be, if that's your home and you plan on staying there, you're lucky you got a guy that believes in it that, and he's at OSU. That's really awesome. That's yeah. great news. Uh, that's good for you, man. Because yeah, that's the way it's done. Yeah, we're, we're proud of it. We're, uh, and the good thing about it is I didn't have to pursue them. They pursued me. So they'll show you the interest that they have in it. So there's a, there's a big future in it, big future in aquaponics. Yeah, I've got that kind of thing going on with me too. You know, a little bit. They, I've, I get, I get, I do surveys for several. I mean, I'm sure most of the guys on the panels do for most, uh, for several universities and colleges. So yeah. you know, it's kind of neat to get to do that and be part of it and invited to conferences and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, they, we've been invited to uh, speak at the, at the colleges and all too. And, you know, I'm. I've always said I'm not an expert, but I'm coming to the point now where I believe I am, and I'm accepting that. And we we've been going and speaking uh, to uh, to a lot of, of the classes now. That's something else we do too is uh, we go to a lot of schools, and elementary schools, to educate the kids on growing and, and how it's done. And you know, when they first start out, they're not show too much interest. But once they see the fish and the worms, and then they get pretty interested, and then. <laughs> They, they really they really take a liking to it so we can get their attention and and get the schools uh, involved in it and the ag programs and i think we could turn things around i think we can get some, some farmers back out there again i think 
some of these young people. And you okay. should speak too. You uh, got your story down. It, you speak very well. And I'll. Somebody wanted to ask a question. I'm sorry. I'm always butting in. Sorry, Roger. Go ahead. No, I'm. I'm good. I was just going to compliment Bob on he's. He's getting his story out and across very clearly, and he should speak at the universities for sure. So, what do you want to ask, Marty? <laughs> oh, I was just going to pay him a compliment too. Just you know, <laughs> that, uh, <clears throat> I think that the diversity in your system is a is a great way to go. And a lot of people, um, you know, tend to sell out with all lettuce or, or do one thing and become a one trick pony. And so I think that, you know, a big part of the reason why they are there is because you've demonstrated that you can grow a variety of different things, which I think a lot of people on this panel are a little tired of hearing that aquaponics is only good for lettuce. So yeah, you may yeah. be preaching to the choir a lot, but we do that a lot too. And it's all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we've got some, uh, you know, in the last three, four years, we've had some pretty good size systems go up in aquaponics. And that's that's all they do is, is lettuce. And so everyone, when they first hear that, that's what they think is lettuce. And, uh, uh, man, I tell you what, I don't I don't like just eating just lettuce. I like eating other <laughs> things, too. So I'm going to grow what I like to eat. And, uh, yeah, I, I like greens, but man, I, I really like tomatoes too. And I think yeah. it's funny that you know, the, the taste in, in fruit or, you know, well, tomatoes has been the answer a, a number of times. But a lot of different people and their stories about why they chose aquaponics comes down to the flavor of whatever it is they're growing. And, not, and for me included, it was tasted tomatoes. Yeah. Not, only, not only that, look at the, look at, you know, a week or two ago when the bottom fell out of the bottom of Romaine market. Yeah, we'll touch it. You know, well, that was another salmonella outbreak thing, which only occurred on the west coast and screws everybody because everybody on the east coast thinks they're and they're not because consumers again, consumers are not as educated as growers. But the problem is, it's the newscast, Steve. You got to admit with me, you know, oh, it's, no, no, it's absolutely don't tell you the truth. They just say, oh, and then they have a recall. Well. And then it puts the East Coast farmers out of business for the summer or the winter or whatever because now nobody can – they just have to throw their – cull their whole crop. The worst you know, was a couple of years ago is cantaloupe. Cantaloupe takes minimum three or four months to grow. And then you got guys that have spent their whole grow, summer grow season growing fields of cantaloupe and they can't get a dime for it because no one will touch it. And that was a shame. You know? Yeah. you know there wasn't any salmonella coming from an aquaponics system. Exactly. No, the, you know, in the beginning, we had the uh, the uh, health department around here trying to tell us we couldn't do this because because of that. You know, I had to, we had to educate them on that. Like, hey, this cold-blooded fish, there ain't no such thing. You know, right. as long as we don't contaminate ourselves with our hands, anything that system ain't going to do it. And we finally got their attention on that too. And that hey, probiotic doesn't even matter if your employees are reckless; it still won't be a problem because you'll, you'll you'll eliminate it regardless once it hits the system. You know, talking talking about the flavor of this stuff. That's how we sell. When someone comes out that's interested in all, we'll just pull a. I like to use strawberries. I mean, I think the strawberries are the best out of this. Uh, oh yeah. I'll, uh, I'll just hand them a strawberry and say, uh, you know, you try it for yourself. You be the judge. And then we'll give them a, a, a bell pepper or a tomato. On them. that's that's all it takes. You know, especially if it's winter time. It's cold outside. Uh, they're sold on it at that point. Can I ask you a question? Since yes. You brought up strawberries, because yes. we all believe that you know we have the, that you know if you have strawberries, you have mites. 
do they just stay on the strawberries or do they are you worried about that in the rest of your farm I've, no i've never had no problems with them on my strawberries oh, okay. i've never never had mites on them mm. we need to learn from bob here how to do <laughs> <laughs> no that's that, strawberries are the easiest probably the easiest thing i've done out there and now I, I haven't had any problems with the mites or anything on them we just joke because mites or um, strawberries tend to, and at least on the west coast, always come with free spider mites. Or, as we like to say, you buy the spider mites and get free strawberries. Yeah, we, we're talking about buying starts from a from a nursery or a company. Yeah, I'm talking about buying live plants. Or starts. <laughs> yeah, and I was thinking about. Um, I was actually thinking of. Like, you said you hit the nail on the head. Was my afterthought was that it's a regional thing, possibly too. In Oklahoma, the climate's different than in the exactly. West. Yeah, yeah it is. It's different, different regions. So we, we've probably got other problems that you don't normally have just because of where we're at here. Like heat. What are some of the problems that, and challenges you have in Oklahoma? Well, the heat's probably the one of the worst problems. You know, uh, you know we'll get high humidity and up over the hundreds, and uh, that's the biggest battle I have. Uh, like right now, we got rain and it's cold out there, but that's not a challenge. But but the summertime's a challenge here. It's, it's if I'm not working close on it and keeping a close eye, uh, even with everything functioning right, uh, it's a uh, you know one one day one mistake and it gets over 100 in there. It's everything's gone. What zone are you in? Seven or eight? Seven. Seven. Okay. Yeah. But uh. Just uh, that. pretty smooth. <laughs> that pretty smooth. So, uh, so what is some of the things that you've learned over the years uh, working in aquaponics? Maybe some tips or tricks or things that you've kind of um, you know learned over the while that maybe uh, people don't quite know. Oh, uh, what would you say? Some, just uh. You know, it's it saves on the back. There ain't no bending over. There ain't no weeds in it. Uh, I can go in there, and you know, I got a two thousand square foot system in operation right now, and I can go in there in twenty minutes and have everything taken care of. I need need to do just uh, you know, I don't hardly even pull out a test kit. I can walk through that front door and just see the plants, and I can tell if something's wrong or not. I can I immediately know when I walk in. It just comes as a, you know, just natural after a little while, and uh, uh, but just making sure that the, you know, that the fish are happy and and uh, the water's good. It pretty much takes care of itself. It really ain't a whole lot of ain't a whole lot of hard work to it or, or challenges as long as you don't let it, you know. You got a grill, grill light for the first time this year. Yeah, yeah. We we never use grill lights. We always used uh, you just use the the light yeah. that we've got even through the winter time and i can tell without using them in just the short light days the tomatoes would lose a little bit of flavor but not enough that it made much difference to anybody in the winter time we uh we had two uh four by eight beds uh about two years ago and we were producing 50 pounds of tomatoes a week out on them for a restaurant and uh, they just thought they were the best thing, and they were, you know, for the for the time of year and all. They they were, they were they were excellent. But 
you know, they're about as good a quality as what they are in, in the summertime. But this year, here just recently, we just purchased a grow light put out there and uh, put on them. And, on the yeah, we put it on the okra. Uh, we, we, we grow okra for a couple people for medical reasons. And uh, so we we got the light to put on the okra, try to get some good growth out of it. But, but just since we put that in there about two weeks ago, we have noticed a, a big difference. And uh, I got some tomatoes. We got that over a four by eight bed, and I got a four by sixteen bed right next to it. And in the end of that bed has got a cherry tomatoes in it. Well, that thing is reaching out to that light and it's grown towards the light on the other bed yeah. over top of my okra. So obviously the grow light is a big, big improvement out there. But we just, uh, you know, used to not. We just used what light we had, and, and it done fine. I mean, it, and it grows and, and do okay. But uh, with the light in there, we're going to do three times better now. So uh, that's that's probably, you know, one of the lessons I've learned just recently. Uh, but, uh, but as far as, you know, challenges and trying to figure things out, it don't it, – it's – it comes pretty easy. Uh, yeah, we, you know, we've we killed a few fish in the beginning and lost a few plants trying to get that balance. You know, there's there's got to be a happy balance there, and that's that's probably the, the trick in it, getting it started is finding that balance and getting that ammonia to nitrates and all that balanced out right in the beginning. So that's probably that's probably where we come in as valuable to these people right now. Just getting it going. I just fired up one today. Uh, got the water and everything. Turn the thing on and make sure no leaks. And I got it running, so I'm going to introduce some fish in it uh, probably Monday. And, and, uh, and you know, it takes what, six weeks or so or more or, or less to cycle one with the nitrates and all. But we've we've learned to use some of our gravel and our water, and uh, we've been able to uh, jump start one in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And uh, that's that's why I'm trying on this one here. I'm, I'm trying to see if I. If I'm good enough to do it in two weeks, uh, these guys are in a hurry to get to growing. So uh, I told them I thought I could do it, and, and we fired it up today. So I'll know in two weeks if I'm if I know what I'm doing or not. So uh, well, we'll Steve and them can address that because they're always telling me because I'm converting from hydroponics to aquaponics, yeah. and that they were talking about cycling and how you know it takes that period of time. But they said, well, we'll send you some of our water, and you're doing exactly what. Yeah. Because you already have the water, so you know. I now again, Steve or you know, uh, Josh isn't here. He likes to talk about that too, but he could probably address that a little bit. You should be good, from what I've learned from these guys. You know. Yeah, it, it'll work. I've done it before. I've, I've oh. jumped, started systems in two weeks uh, before. Then I've then I've I've tried it before too, and it took still get took four or five weeks. So, uh, you know. It's, I don't know what the difference was there. Temperature is one thing. Uh, yeah. you know, like here in Oklahoma right now, it's it's cool. And yeah. if you've got a good heating system in there and keeping it good and warm, uh, that bacteria grow a little slower. But uh, if it's good and warm, it'll, uh, right. you know, it'll, it'll jump start quicker. So, you know, there's some issues there, some some uh, some things that, that help and work against you. But for the most part, we've been able to get them started pretty quick. And, but this one here I'm really focusing on. I'm really wanting this thing to go in two weeks and if it does then i'll know i've got it down and, and i'm sure i do have you ever tried using like a separate reservoir where you could actually heat it up to allow the 
microbiological and the, uh, the bacteria all to grow faster and then slowly inject it into your system? Yeah, you can do that too. That's something, something else I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to get me a, oh, a big stock tank or something. something yeah, that's what I'm talking about. A thousand gallon tank and I'm going to incorporate it into my system to just have some seasoned water and uh, maybe some BDA in it that I can take out and use it to stock the systems that I'm building I'm putting in. So that way, actually, when it's put together, it's actually put together with all of my water and my media, and that way that bacteria is already in there. So I'm just going to put a reservoir into the other greenhouse and just loop it in and run my water through it just to season it. And that way i got that extra extra water and media. I'm not actually taking it out of my system, but it is still yet part of my system. And hopefully that'll... That would be ready to go the day I put it in if I get that down right. I'm glad to hear that because that's how, how I'm kind of designing mine where I'm going to have be able to, you know, now I've, I've got so there's so much great information I learned from these guys. I got, I was really able to, to you know, think about how to do it and without having to go through some of the trials that you guys like you that have paved the way for a lot of us or, you know, especially a guy like me that's just starting out with aquaponics, you know. Yeah, you know, that, that's for a while, but not aquaponics. So it's really neat to hear you talk about things that I'm thinking about and you go, yeah, that works, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's what we've done for the past few years is we went out and started installing these. And what we do at our facility here on the farm is I push it to the limits. I've, I've made it fail intentionally. Uh, I'll plant things yeah. and then I got my information. I'll take it out and put something else in there. Even if I got red tomatoes on the vine or something, I try to special one and I got my testing done. I pull it out and put something else in. I do that so when I put a system in for somebody, I can tell them what works and what don't work. And you know, pushing it to the limit and, and forcing it to fail, I, I know exactly how far you can go. Uh, so we, we do all that research here. So when I sell a system to someone, I, I already know. And I take the failure for them and got the knowledge what to do and what not to do. So our... our our plan around here and uh, what we do is, is for the is for everyone else you know to pass that on so it's it's, it's the only it's way you can well. it's the only way you can teach you have to, yeah. you yeah, have to make your you have to do the things that you're trying to teach about you have to do deficiencies you have to you have to you know take an area and like have an experiment and mess it up like you said i i, I i'm a big uh opponent of that type of practice if you're going to teach people you have to because you maybe you're lucky and you were real good you lost some fish but you never really failed see and then right. but you if you never fail how are you going to help the guy that's got all these problems if you hadn't created them for yourself or going to a class or a school you know if you're privy to a big organization like that like you know um yeah, you, you can assume and you, you can uh, act like you know what you're talking about but unless you've actually done it you, right. you really don't know but but to do it Tell them by the way, Ogre tears. Do I know? Tell them by the way. Ogre. Hey, Bob. We got a yeah. questions from chat here. One of them is uh, Does calcium make strawberries sweet or does sulfur increase the berries' flavor? Do you have any opinions uh, on that? Or why you think it might be sweeter in aquaponics? The, we use this water. We don't use yeah, I don't put any additives in it, but uh, I have. Uh, She's just straight, you know, what my system produces. 
I add no, nothing extra to it whatsoever. I don't add no calcium to it or no sulfur. Uh, that is something I'm fixing to do, though, uh, to give it a try, is uh, see if it makes a difference on. But uh, the only thing that my system gets extra is the uh, seaweed. That's the only thing I'll add to it. Seaweed so extra? I, I don't know if it's the uh, calcium or not. It's, it's just that the... Uh, it's a healthier strawberry in this in aquaponics. Very cool. What kind of fish do you use? We use tilapia and koi. You know, okay. Uh, I want to do koi. I hate tilapia, but well, it'd be great for aquaponics. But I just hate to eat them. So yeah, the, the, my wife eats them. I don't care about eating them either. But <laughs> oh, cool. yeah, but you know the koi. The koi is a little easier because of the climate and all. You, yeah. It's a little more forgiving. You don't have to worry about the water temperatures. You know, the tilapia, you got to keep the water temperatures up. And, uh, you know, this time of the year for us here, it's, it's kind of costly. And uh, you got you to gotta really watch that. But uh, with the koi, uh, it's pretty easy. You, know, you don't have to you don't have to tend to them as much. They're bulletproof, basically. When, yeah. Bulletproof, they are. I've seen them under an inch of ice, and they didn't even affect them. You know, you know, in a small reservoir. I didn't even realize it at the time, but you know, I said, "Well, I, I, one day I said, I bet those fish are dead because it froze over where I live. We don't get a lot of like total freezes. We got like we'll have a freeze for a couple days, you know. But I went out there one day, and there was ice this thick on the top of this, you know, this one of those like little waterfall things, and they yeah. were in the bottom, and and uh, they were, they were, sw I looked down there and they were swimming around. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. That cold water don't bother them. It, oh. it'll, slow, it'll slow them down on their eating. You know, they won't put it out as much nutrients and what have you, but, uh, oh, good point. but, they'll, uh, but, but they'll, they'll survive. You know, that's a lot of you, but when you get down below 60 on them, they'll start beating themselves to death on the side of the tank. Right. They'll go to shot. And basically that's what they do is beat yourself to death. Hmm. That's that's interesting. You don't add anything. Yeah, wow. To have success with tomatoes, that's really the. That's really interesting that you're you haven't you know you really use no amendments or additives or anything. Like yeah. That. yeah. We had a question from Chad. It says, do you have any pest problems with cucumbers or other flowering crops in your aquaponic systems? Yeah, we, the aphids is our biggest problem. Yeah. As long as you stay on top of them, when you. First, see them. Long as you'll keep the ladybugs and the base wings in there, uh, we can keep them under control. Uh, but you got to be you got to be expecting them and ready for them when you start seeing them. Because it, around here, it's not if you get them; it's when you get them. Uh, the cucumbers is probably they like them better than anything that we plant in there. And when we put cucumbers in our system, uh, you can bet you're going to have aphids. Even this time of year, the suckers pop up. Uh, and they'll get all over the cucumbers, so it's it's a battle uh, with them on uh, on that. And my tomatoes and the peppers, uh, they'll get over on them if they if, if they get uh, start getting out of control. You know, get a lot of winter, they'll start getting over on there. But as long as I keep it in control, they don't seem to bother them too bad. But it, my biggest battle with, is with the cucumbers. So you had uh, somebody else ask, how do you do with powdery mildew on your your uh, crops and aquaponics? And then I guess I'll, I'll add to that. How do you, uh, same thing with blight on your tomatoes? No, no. As long as we keep plenty of air blowing on them, we uh, we uh, 
keeping a lot of wind. I mean, a lot of air movement, and we, we don't have no much problem with that either. And you know, in the summertime, uh, we open our sides up and put uh, insect screen up, so we got good airflow through that. And but we get a lot of humidity here in the, in the summertime. But uh, but we keep it keep it opened up with uh, insect screen, and we don't have too much problems. I mean, we we're like everybody else. You know, we'll have our times. We got our battle with them, but we pretty well keep them under control. Very cool. Now, going through chat here. Um, is there any particular tomato varieties that you've uh, found um, or grown fond of? Yeah, the uh, is it beef steak. Beef beef steak tomatoes done very well. We've put Celebrity and Early Girls in there. They do okay, but beef steak uh, produces. And they just they pollinate easily, and they'll uh, they'll probably produce at least fifty to sixty percent more than any other tomato in aquaponics. Are you buying directly from a? Are you buying from Bonnie's? Are you buying directly from a that kind of? You know, like we uh, we plant from seed, and then oh, you I'm do. Also, yeah, yeah, we plant. We'll start I'm out with celebrity and beef steak. That's why I asked. Sorry. Do what now? I've grown celebrity and beef steak, but they came from you know far. You know, yeah, from Bonnie. Yeah, we we got a uh, here where we're from, considered the garden spot of Oklahoma. It's a lot of river land bottoms and all, and cool. uh, you know the, the, it's known for its vegetables and all. And there's a, a truck farmer here that starts. Uh, Start seedlings and all, and if we if we buy anything like that, we buy from him, you know, straight from a old farmer. Matter of fact, these guys go plumb back in the uh, uh, World War Two, I think it was. They actually fed the the army, and they pulled the trains into Bixby here and loaded up with vegetables. And so we we come from a garden state uh, area that's uh, very heavily known as truck farming. So. Uh, We've got a good abundant supply of, of uh, seedlings and seeds and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, that's trying. interesting uh, because I, I wondered how you were so humid. Now you just explained it. I didn't want to ask earlier because you were, you know, we were, it didn't really matter when you mentioned you had high humidity. But I wondered about that, and uh, <clears throat> you explain it if you're in a valley, you know, you know like in the, yeah. the lush area there in a the valley, and got water around it and stuff. That that would explain yeah, that. The Arkansas River is about a mile wide and runs right through the middle of us down here. Oh uh, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of sandy ground too. The water table's pretty yeah. low also. Yeah, I grow mostly from seed myself. But I was just wondering because you mentioned varieties that I know are grown by certain pur purveyors of seedlings. You know, we, we've tried the heirloom in, the, in there and all different ones, and uh, they all they all grow and do do good. But the, the beef steak, uh, we ain't found anything to grow like that in aquaponics. The uh, plants grow plumb to the top of the uh, greenhouse, and they're fourteen foot tall, and they're. Yeah. Trees. It looked like an apple tree, and it bared and bared and bared. It just it never let up. It was probably three years old when I finally took it out. Now some people won't understand what you're saying, but you're growing vertically on a twine or a string, right. on wires or or whatever connecting above. Mm -hmm. So all your plants, you know, you basically everybody you prune them and you get they allow them to grow up, 
and you have your fruit sets and they go up each node and all that and then yeah. and then you lean you lean in lower use the lean and lower technique also yeah we, yeah we do that too we've we done that with the uh uh what's you mentioned one ago eucalyptus we were uh it's gotten so tall that i ended up leaning it tying it over and it's coming back up about five or six different directions now but yeah we we do do that and and the beef steak now is that determinate or indeterminate i can't remember i can't recall uh, it's a uh, terminant so that means it's only going to grow so big so that's why you don't have to lean and lower it it's going to end after the season well then i'm wrong it's it's indeterminate then indeterminate it, your vine that'll grow 40 yards or long yeah, no that's what it is then because it kept growing growing it, it, it just kept on and kept on oh cool so yeah so that's why i asked Lena. people understand that what you know what, what we do is we grow to we got a wire like eight to like he said 14 bob said 14 feet in the air and as your as your plant grows you keep pulling the string up and raising it up so that it's supported by your clips and, and, and a string or twine. I, I use UV protected uh, orange poly twine myself yeah. and you pull it up. And when it gets to, when it, when the plant grows to the top, it's starting to get in your plastic or, you know, whatever you may have up there, then you take it and loosen it up and lean it and let lean it down. run down the side of the row. And then, it, and then, then let it go back up until it. Then you keep moving it down the row. And I've seen gardens where it circled an entire row and was coming around. You know, yeah, what, so what we do is about well, eight, eight foot high. We'll uh, hang a cattle panel, and we'll tie the strings off it, and then we'll let it grow up through that cattle oh. panel. And when it gets up above that cattle panel up to the uh, plastic, they'll lay over on that cattle panel, and then you can just direct it around that cattle panel around the top any direction you want to go that's really it. nice so you're saying you put a like a it's like a root cattle panel which is i'm assuming it's pipe right. what right. you're saying pipe up where the plant can grow through and then it's got something to support it can lay there and so you got just tomatoes hanging down right it's it's the cattle panels are uh they're heavy wire and they're uh four by four no they're six by six squares so you'll have a six a uh let me get on the camera here you'll have a square about that big around right there about it you'll have four foot wide by 16 foot long on them so it's just a heavy wire panel that we hang okay. we hang okay. from the rafters up there eight feet and tie our strings off of it and then it grows up through it it's, it's, it's not pipe it's quite a bit smaller than that Oh, but, so you're saying you're not using just wires or you're using the cattle panel, then you tie all your strings to that. Right. Now I tie my strings from that down, and then once it reaches to the top, it goes through that cattle panel, and it's small, small enough uh, grid that it just lay over on it then, and then you can just let it grow all. It's just, it just creates a canopy above your bed of, uh, of your plant, and then actually the tomatoes kind of hang down from that. and you just Right. That's what I'm saying. Easy pretty easy to harvest oh that's it. so you're basically aren't you that's like horse fencing right is that right right yeah horse more like horse fencing you can go right. to tractor supply and buy the yeah, yeah you right. said four by 16 i'm going wait a minute that sounds like those that that the horse yeah, fencing horse you tractor supply yeah tractor supply is actually where i get them at <laughs> <laughs> okay i know exactly they got the, like all right like bob said they got a square like you know, five by five or six by six inches and then right. it's pretty heavy wire welded it's welded wire is what it yeah. is welded yeah. you know All right. okay works very well for that very well be it'd be great for a, a scrog too for all you uh cannabis listeners out there 
Ja, ja it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so now we understand. We know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's a great idea. I like that. I might incorporate that in my greenhouse this year, man. That's you can scrog out your peppers or your, your cucumbers. Too, you yeah. Yeah, we, I like uh, the peppers vertical because you get if you're selling to Whole Foods, they want them the same. It's well, they don't really care, but you get more money if they're all the same size for packaging reasons. And if you do it vertically and you do the proper pruning for growing pepper plants vertically, you'll get all your peppers to be the same size because you'll have peppers at every node. But I also think, yeah, you could do that, and it would be nice too if you you'll get some big peppers and you'll get some little. Well, I grow habaneros, so when I say big pepper, you know. And little peppers, but uh, yeah, that's for, yeah, that's some great ideas right there. I like that. That, that, I, mean, I, had, a, I had a big habanero crop this year in, in aquaponics, they've done very good this year. I love that pepper, that's my favorite pepper, best tasting pepper. And you could almost throw a piece of habanero in a spot, a pot of spaghetti sauce or chili, and you don't even have to add any other spices. <laughs> no, that's all it takes, ain't it? <laughs> that's all it takes. It takes no other spice once you do that. <laughs> And it cleans your pores too. Yeah, yeah. We we dehydrate ours and grind it. We make our own, put in our own pepper shaker and all. That's make a oh yeah, make a powder. Yeah, I got yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a mill and a dehydrator myself for the very reason, my friend. Yeah, boy, I love it. That's cool. Yeah, man. What pepper varieties are you going on that note? There you go. <laughs> We uh we got some uh, bell peppers in it right now that's been in there what seven weeks now, mm -hmm. and uh, they uh got quite a quite a few bell peppers on them about ready to start harvesting. We had one plant in four weeks had a uh, bell pepper about the size of a softball on it. Uh, I mean four weeks and it's like that. I couldn't believe it. I ain't never seen that like that before. It's just only one plant in the bed and the rest rest of them just had blooms on it. But uh, we got seven weeks now, and they're probably uh, a couple of weeks away from harvesting. Got to save the seeds from that phenom that, that popped them early seeds, man. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta save that and, and crossbreed that with your better. Well, I would, but uh, we had a young lady out there. She said she was an expert on vegetables or organic. And she could tell if it was real or not. So we ended up pulling that off and letting her have a bite of it. And her and her, what was it, two, three-year-old daughter eat the whole thing. Said it was the best she'd ever had. I guess she spit the seeds out, but man, they's over scarfing that thing down. But uh, she was challenging <laughs> us. She she thought we pulling her leg, and uh, she said, "I'm a pro." And I said, "Well, here, you tell me what you think." And uh, or it's all said and done. She's like, I think you know what you're doing. <laughs> she liked it. Yeah, that, well, I'm, speaking of difficult stuff to grow, I'm curious about hearing more about the moringa trees. I mean, those are some hard, that's some hard stuff to grow. You know, I talk tried, about that some more. I, yeah. I tried to uh, plant some of them a couple of years ago and get them going. And I, I was having a hard time getting to germinate and I, I kind of just blowed it off. And then I was at a preppers uh, meeting and a guy was walking around with two of them and I, I recognized what they were. And I said, Hey, what you got there? He said, a uh, couple of Moringa trees. I said, where'd you get them at? He said, I, I started them. 
he had them in a two liter bottle and he was telling me how you had to uh, keep them in a cylinder, planted in the cylinders because the root grows so deep. Because uh, I guess where they originated from, they're dry climate and the roots grow so deep for moisture. And on, he was saying you can't you can't plant them in aquaponics if it's too wet. And uh, I'd already been studying them, already had an idea. And I said, well, what are you going to do with them? He said, I don't know. I think about selling them. I asked him, well, what do you want for them? He said, I'll take $5 a piece. I said, yeah. give them to me. <laughs> I bought them. I brought them back to the greenhouse. I had them out there in the dirt for two or three weeks, and they were dying on me. I mean, I couldn't keep them alive. So I thought, all right, I'm going to lose them anyway, so I'm going to put them in the aquaponics here and see what happens. They were five inches tall when I stuck them in. We just took it out here about October. end of October. Mm -hmm. End of October when we took it out. Put we, it in we, June. Yeah, we put it in at the 1st of June. It was five inches tall. When I took it out, it was five inches around the base of the trunk. And the thing was grown 14 foot tall into the top of my greenhouse, hit the plastic and turned and come down two foot. That thing grew 14 to 16 foot tall in five months and had a five inch a five inch trunk on the thing. I've never ever seen anything grow like that in the aquaponics. It was, I'm gonna do it again and, and log everything and uh, do my research on it because that's one thing that uh, one university is interested in because of the nutrition. Did you take cuttings? Did you take cuttings and root the yeah. and root them? Yeah, I do. I've got some out there now that I took off of that uh, when I took it up and got it out. You'd like some? <laughs> hey, I tell you what, I, I took. I Mister. Yeah. I took the cuttings off and stuck them in. Oh, and within uh, three days, it had new growth on it already. We have a tree. We have. We live here in Los Angeles, so we have a giant tree actually in the garden that's you know been it's a couple of years old and it's uh rooted really deeply and it never it, it doesn't die off in the winter but and you know so i because by my filipino family <laughs> the other side of my family is old filipino gardeners so but you know they, we got that one from a clone from a cutting you know from a rooted a rooted cutting but you can uh start the seeds and we started a couple of seeds this last uh you know a couple of months ago and the, th the, the, the trick with the seeds is they have to be really fresh they have to come right off the tree they they can't be uh, even a few weeks old i think they won't germinate so oh. is that that's what i've heard no, and no. you're absolutely right about the r sudden oh. uh really fast re deep rooting it wants to root really deep like as far as it wants you know yeah. so sorry go I, ahead steve when i was in jamaica i learned um is that the uh and mr green jeans here a little background oh sorry um so with the moringa seeds you want to score the seeds you take a razor blade and scratch the seeds yeah okay. so that the seeds can open because once they hit a certain once they get desiccated to a certain point it's hard for the the seed to actually break through the seed casing um so oh, wow. for the seed it can actually burst out and then soaking the seeds beforehand before germination, the same way we talked about with the cannabis seeds yeah, that I have on the YouTube page um, was really, really important. Um, th those two things seem to be what actually made the difference for for germination. Um, we actually had a whole grove of them. Um, there's also a very large Moringa tree 
uh, farm using aquaponics, uh, well, kind of aquaponics, I would say uh, a version of aquaponics, a drain to waste aquaponics, I guess would be the best way to put it, out in the desert in California. And they have, I think it's 2.2 million gallon tilapia tanks. And all they have a drain to waste and they run all that aquaponics water, or the, the aquaculture water out to those uh, groves of moringa oh, trees. Okay. Okay. Yeah, during the waste, I was freaking out that they're wasting all that. But okay, yep. now you're saying they're they're diverting it to the moringa tree farm. Yep. That's cool. That's cool. Well, hey Bob, uh, will you send me a couple if they root? Will you send me send me one? Yeah, we can do that. I got a bag of the seeds right here. I'm fixing to start working on them here. Not too far down the road here. I'm gonna start trying to. You'll sell them to you twenty bucks. Another cool thing, uh, another cool thing yeah. about the seeds is if you grind. If you grind the seeds up, uh, they're actually a pretty good sweetener when they're fresh. They're pretty sweet if they're if they come mm -hmm. out right. They're they're very very tasty. You actually use them to like sweeten up like like tea or just eat them raw. I used to eat them raw all the time in Jamaica. Huh. How would that affect some people? Can't eat any seeds of any type. I'm sorry, we're taking away from Bob's part but we're getting in the I have no idea as far as seed and analogies. Yeah, okay. All right. So all right. It's a it's it's a it's a legume, so it's it's not in the same family as most of your traditional nuts. Not, not like a not like a nut. It's more like yeah, a it's more like a, yeah. a, or a, or a bean. You got a heard you can you can, you can eat too many. You can O D on them is what I've heard. If you eat more than about five or six, they I think Make you poop a lot or something like that. I've eaten a bunch of them like back to back to back, and I haven't had problems, but I have heard that you can eat too many. Huh. The the husks, the <laughs> shells are very good goat feed as well. Just to feed them to their goats. So, what do you think, Bob? Do you eat the seeds? No, I, I'm afraid to now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Dean. <laughs> Oh, just, just get myself to death. I'm like M and M's. That's all. Poop yourself to death. Yeah. <laughs> Powerful medicine. I think I only need a few. Like, right? The leaves of the of the tree, moringa tree, are ridiculous. Right? Yeah, why don't you tell people a little bit about the moringa you're growing and, and why you're growing? Well, kind of code. I can't do something. I go out and try it and show them I can do it. One one thing we we learned is uh, if uh, if it's a plant, a tree, or something that's what what I call dry dry feet, like dry feet, will drain soil. You put it in aquaponics, even though it's all water. If you add plenty of air, it won't drown out. And it, anything that's uh, likes dry ground, and you put it in there, and you add the air to it like that, when it grows, it outgrows anything i've ever put in there just like the moringa tree you know like he said guys you know like a dry climate and uh the water will kill it and all i just made sure i had a lot of air in that bed to make sure it didn't drown out anytime we've done that with the, you know like uh lemon trees and uh, orange trees that we've got in there uh it, it grows when they say it won't grow and you do that it grows better than anything i've ever had in there but the uh, the moringa tree, just because of the uh, nutrition of it and all, we're we're about growing things that we can eat, and then someday if we have to rely on it, uh, 
we focus on things that's good for medicine, but things that you can actually survive off of. So in the future, if we ever need it, uh, I've got a handful of different things that I'm going to plant just for survival sake. And the Moringa tree is, is one of them. Uh, that's one reason I was so intrigued and interested in getting it going just because of the uh, health benefits of it. And all. That's a good plan. We, that's like our okra. We, we're uh, okra so far has been the biggest challenge. Okra likes, you know, high humidity and heat. It's when it thrives and does the best. Uh, it, it done good all summer long, but now that the lights uh, shorter and things are cooler, uh, even though I, I heat my water, uh, I, I have a heater that keeps my water temperature all in the seventies. I thought that would uh, compensate for it and make it do okay, but it's it's struggling. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to approach it some other way. We, that's one thing we put the grow light on to help it, but but we grow okra uh, for medical reasons too. We've uh, got a few people that's got diabetes, and okra is one thing that turns diabetes around. And uh, we've we've seen it we've seen it eliminate diabetes in two three people. And uh, yeah. so we're going to try to get it down to where we can supply them year round uh, to keep the diabetes in check. Just be careful. Uh uh, Oklahoma was the state where uh, a couple was busted with the greenhouse. They had the DEA come in with the raid and guns and the whole nine, thinking their okra was weed. Granted, yeah. times have changed a lot since then. That was about three years ago, but it wasn't <laughs> Oklahoma. Vegetables indoors under grow lights, just because I saw a guy doing it. And I said, I don't, you know, I didn't think anything about the cost or whatever. I just said, here's a guy sitting in a room with tomatoes and cucumbers and lettuce and peppers. And, you know, and he's like sitting in his room. I said, that's cool. So that's, that's kind of how I got into it. And people are going, you know, yeah, but don't let them see you got any kind of, you know, grow. I mean, like you got to, you still had to privatize your room or they were going to kick your door in thinking you're growing pot. That was a funny thing that you bring that up. That's, that's part. Yeah. That's part of my, I've had the, uh, I've had the helicopters fly over me and, and hover uh, three or four times. They, they, they've looked me over. They haven't come up to the door, but they have, uh, they have sat there and checked it out from helicopter uh, three times. I know. Here at the house, then I've got another one at my brother's that for <laughs> with the biggest one, and they've uh, they've circled it a few times too. So they they're watching to see what's going on. You know what's sad is because it's aquaponics or hydroponics greenhouse kind of things, you know, indoor, and they and they it bugs them out because if if you're just an old salt farmer who probably a lot of them grow cannabis too, allegedly. <laughs> but, you know, it's just all you, all of a sudden you got this indoor growing going on and they, it's just gotta be cannabis. You know, it couldn't be, you know, growing medicine. You're like you're, even though you're growing veggies, you're growing veggies that is considered med as medicinal or holistic value to it. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I love they, that. they just assume you're up to no good though. Yeah. Yeah, and there, a lot of people are, you know, so, but there, still. I had a, a, a guy a few years ago that was uh, putting a system in, and I was selling him the media and, and uh, some stuff, and uh, his stepson mentioned something at school about he was uh, prepping, 
and the teacher called the law and said, uh, I don't matter what she said, but anyway, they come and kicked this door down and they confiscated everything he had. And uh, he had some, he had some guns and he had some gunpowder in a uh, basement and he had his uh, aquaponics in a basement. And they said he was a terrorist and they took him to jail and broke him. And he was he wasn't doing nothing nothing any different than what I'm doing. And uh well it's not uh, illegal to have gunpowder really, is it? No, it's it's not. But they said he was said he was preparing for uh I don't remember yeah, what they when the lights they go had, out. They had a name for it, which was ridiculous in the first place, but they, they broke him. And right then I thought, man, I gotta be careful about what I what I say and what I'm doing because if, if they just assume and then they give them the right to come in and and uh, kick your door down and see what you're doing. Now, what but, do you mean by they broke him? You mean they broke, they ruined his business and his right, farm? right. They drained his bank account. I mean, he right, right. tightened it and lawyers and all that, and he he ended up he he moved down the country. He went somewhere else. He couldn't have won, and then and then filed a lawsuit and, and ended up with enough money to build a new Oh, farm. yeah, he, he could have. He'd had a lawsuit because they, they, was, they were wrong. Yeah, okay, yeah. But he they just frustrated him so bad, and he just he just realized that he was going to have problems no matter what, and he just wanted out of here. He it's not up. safe to drive down the road if you're suing the, the law enforcement, right? Right. <laughs> Allegedly. Right. Yeah. That's too bad, man. But, yeah, we – uh, everybody's gone through that a little bit. Uh, some of us have been lucky and some not, but that's an interesting you share that story because that's a, that's what's sad about it. You know, for the most part, nothing any of us are doing, are, you know, is, is, is morally wrong. You know, yet because we're trying to do things that are new and not understood by uh, people that are not in the industry, whether they be law enforcement or not. And then they persecute people that are trying to be different, do better things and have have better, you know, way. Well, it just in my case, even with hydro and even though there's some salts involved, I still find that it's a lot better. I know I'd rather eat that than go to the store. I'd rather grow my own food that way than go to the store and not know where the hell it came from, you know, and no, my tomatoes taste pretty damn good, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to say a quick thing about tomatoes since we I accidentally fell into it. heirlooms is one of them things where you got to find the one strain that works good for you. You got to keep trying like because they're so different and so you, you know, they're unique. Each of them are unique to each other. And then they and then, you know, they taste so much different that I found with, you know, because I've tried a whole bunch of different. I love to try to find heirlooms that grow well in my play in my environment without me changing a whole lot, you know. So that's just something you got to keep trying an heirloom every season or so, you know, even though you don't, you know, the beefsteak's the best, but if you want to find something cool, you just, you keep trying one or two a season. You might just call one cause it's doing nothing, you know, or you might be able to crossbreed it with something else you like. If you have, for some reason, the one tomato you got, you know, was, yeah. was something you really liked, you know, or the few tomatoes you got, you really liked, maybe you could cross it with a beefsteak somehow, you know, and, and end up with an interesting tomato. Well, my, you know what, my well heirloom. Oh, now yo, you put me on the spot now. <laughs> I, my group. Uh, 
No, I can't think of the name because you caught me out there. I've got, I've been, I've had a long day and you, I wasn't. All right. All right. Let me think about it for a minute and I'll pop in later. But you know what? My favorite tomato of all time was the Ace F1. Which one? Ace. Ace. Ace F1 tomato. I grew perfectly beautiful red globes and there was no water or seeds hardly in it at all. It was just meat, you know, not. Some of that has to do with my formula, my solution, and but yeah. uh, the genetics. It's like you know we were talking when you're talking about it. It's all about genetics. We know that the beef yeah. steak. Reason you like the beef steak is because it's genetically, you know, uh, uh, was developed to grow a big tomato, right? Big, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of what kind of system you grow in it, you should get a really nice, big, fat, you know, well, beef steak kind of tomato. So I think that's what I was thinking when you were talking about that earlier. I like the celebrity, okay, but that's not an heirloom. And you put me on the spot, and I feel asleep. Yeah, I, like I like celebrity. I like celebrity too. Yes. Yeah, those are real nice for sandwiches and, you know, like, a, you know, like a, a nice sandwich on toast or, you know, uh, eating. I like beefsteak for like when I do, you know, burgers or something. Yeah, like that. Cover that big bun, huh? <laughs> or, or, or actually you can just take a piece of beefsteak and cut it about that thick and put it on the hamburger bun all by itself with mayonnaise and salt and pepper. And that'll be I like that too. I get like that a lot. <laughs> Steve, we got uh, Marty. We got any more questions in chat for Bob? Um, or did you have anything more formatted? Had someone ask if you're using TDZ or uh, Thiazarium, or um, they also call it tissue culture. Ask me that again. I didn't hear you. Um, are you doing any tissue culture? No. 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 Have you thought about it? No, I haven't thought about it. Okay. No. We will probably, I don't either much, but we will be in the next two or three years because a lot of people are doing it and some people believe it's the aces and oh, people don't oh, want industry for vegetables and cannabis will switch to it pretty soon. Eventually. Uh, uniformity yeah. of production and the fact that you can produce viral, virus-free plants on a predictable schedule really changes a lot of the agricultural business. Um, and that would be more for commercial agriculture, too. Commercial. For yes. Joe homeowner so much, but for for growing a big uh, several-acre farm with thousands of plants, yeah. 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 Right? Is that right, Steve? What, so that, yep. What type of fish do you grow? What kind you of koi? Koi and tilapia. Yeah. Koi and tilapia. Yeah. Koi and tilapia. Mostly tilapia. I mean, if, if I... I had to pin one down. I, I grow a lot of tilapia. Now, I've got one setup that I'm running my koi in just to see the difference in them uh, in, the, in my fish, but I'm partial to the tilapia. Uh, you know, people out here, when they think aquaponics, they think tilapia, and that's what they expect to see. Uh, I've had some tilapia. I've got some of my tilapia out there are eight years old, and they're, they're huge, so they're kind of my babies. Uh, <laughs> I, like, I like messing with them, but uh, like I said, the, the koi are much easier to deal with. I mean, they're much easier to get along with, and to you know, I don't have to worry about them as much. Well, with the, with the fact that you expand and do different things with your farm, why don't you have enough? Since so, so we talked about this earlier, in, in case somebody came in late, and maybe that's where that question came from. Well, was was it 
why don't you go since you don't like tilapia like i don't like tilapia to eat them why don't you have a, a, a reservoir or a system maybe a, a you know a, a, what redundant says like closed loop redundant isn't that right i think um where you could grow a fish that you like to eat you know well, I'm, I'm allergic to seafood so I, I can't eat seafood and i guess i relate fish to seafood i just don't like any fish well just, it's a mercury thing with the seafood I, right yeah yeah that's what the problem is there i can eat fish but i don't i just don't i don't like oh, it. so you don't really care for fish in the first no place. i just don't care oh, for it period. i, I can but, i never did till i was an adult worked in a restaurant then i found out that if you cook fish correctly it's pretty right, cool right. sometimes you know but, but yeah okay now but i am fixing to on um, this next greenhouse i'm putting up i'm going to have approximately 20 four by eight beds in it and i'm going to take two beds in pairs and i'm going to put a uh, one tank for every two beds and i'm going to put different species in it and uh yeah a little bit of everything different things just to show people what you can do you know uh, some things put out more nutrients than others some are slow like crawdads they don't put out a whole lot but uh a lot of people around here like that so i'm gonna i'm gonna put them in there and and uh try that and i'm gonna put perch in one catfish in one uh, the freshwater shrimp in one and uh, uh so is that because you want to find out the nutritional value of the waste that you yeah, would yeah uh, i'm gonna find out uh, which ones do better which ones put out more waste do some studying on it but i get questions all the time is uh tilapia all you can use is koi all you can use but you can use anything it's just you know, depends on what you want out of the system. Are you wanting to eat out of it? Are you wanting to produce it as fast as you can? Are you wanting to make a living out of it? Uh, that's some of the research that we've been doing. If if you want to make money out of it, uh, I'll tell them five different uh, vegetables to grow, which in our market are the money makers and they do well and they grow quickly in aquaponics. So if you're going to go that route, this is what you want to plant. If you're wanting to just feed your family out of it, uh, this is what you want to do. You want to use, uh, if you want to eat out of it, you obviously want to go with tilapia because they grow fast. And, right. And so it just depends on what you want out of it is what you're going to use. And I want to show, when they come out to look, I want to show them every scenario when they come out and find out what they want. I'll say like this system right here, I've got catfish in it. Uh, this is what we're growing with it. Uh, this is what you, what you want to use. Mike, can I ask a question? A couple questions then. Yes. Um, first off, do you? All right. The first, number one is, do you sell tilapia for food? And the second one would be, what are the five uh, that you, produce that you feel like you you know cultivars of produce you feel like you need to grow for money? Well, here we can't legally butcher the fish and sell them. I have to sell right, them. You live. can sell it live. That's how it is here. Yeah. You can sell it live. Mm -hmm. They can butcher it, right? All right. So right. you really don't grow tilapia for money then. Okay. No, no. You know, if, if it's someone I know, I'll do it, but I don't advertise it. We like to put them on ice. That way when they get them take off with them, they're not flopping. And they're ready, they're ready to be butchered. But uh, are we, are we but, like those kinds of things is we like to preface them with the word allegedly you know you don't don't have to uh, i don't well, have a problem selling them i mean there's plenty of people out there to buy uh, right they'll come and get them and 
not everyone wants to butcher them themselves, but there's a lot of people that will. Well, you've got the same guidelines we have here because I was talking with the local people and I found out with our DNR and our uh, Department of Agriculture that I could grow them and sell them as long as I didn't butcher them. You know, right. as long as I sold them to them live, so to speak. And like you said, well, you could throw them on ice for a little bit, you know, or whatever. Yes. But, all right, so what about the five best crops uh, that you Because yeah. I can't yeah. let you get by with that. You go, well, I tell them the best ones to grow for money. We got to know. I was going to say, tomatoes, you can sell tomatoes all day long here. I mean, right. I couldn't grow enough tomatoes. I can sell them all. But the tomatoes and the, uh, the strawberries and your lettuces, you know, your romaine lettuce and uh, peppers and cucumbers. That would be the main things that we'd want to focus on here. Okay. In and they, they so all good. They all go rapidly. Yeah. It's what your table salad. You're like me, tomatoes, cucumbers, peppers, and just, uh, your salad, basically. Lettuce. Yeah. Table salad. All right. Yeah, that's the same thing. I can't. What was the fifth one though? And then Steve had another question about the fish. I believe uh, the peppers, peppers. No peppers, tomatoes, cucumbers, and cucumbers and strawberries. Strawberries, okay. Yeah. Strawberries, okay. Yeah. And strawberries do sell good, and they're high dollar for the farm. Right. That's right. it's like that's why habanero peppers are so cool because I think Bob will agree with me. You get more money for habanero than any other pepper you can sell. Oh yeah. Yeah, people people want them, man. I can't grow enough of them either. Uh, oh yeah, I, I love them. Steve, uh, you wanted to comment, I and I cut you off, or we cut you off because we were now we're allowing EK guns as well, uh, as long as you don't cut them with a knife. Uh, they are allowing, uh, depending on what state you're in. Certain states are allowing EK EK guns now as well, which are nice because you can just kill the fish right away. And you know you don't have to deal with knife and cutting heads off and gutting fish and all that. You can just is that like shocking? I have a, a YouTube video on my on my um, oh, okay. okay on my channel, but it's basically it looks like a hot glue gun, and it has a spring-loaded piston in it, and you put it against their temple and you pull the trigger and away uh, goes their brain. Well, that's the same as they, how they used to kill cows, kind of sort of. Yeah. Yep. It's just a way to instantly kill the fish so they're not you don't have any kind of uh, stress hormones it makes the meat taste a little better Yeah, because we all know stress whether it be pol poultry or deer or whatever if they get stressed they taste more gamey Yeah, that and tough too. They're tougher <laughs> they're on, Yeah, because they tighten up they tighten their muscles up and get them. You know, yeah, and it, it makes tough. I know this you flop them on the table. And there's a video <laughs> uh, on my YouTube channel, you can see within about four seconds it's dead. You know, as long as it takes for that electrical signal to stop going through its body. So it's really the most ethical way I know. If I was a, a fish, you know, that's how I would want to go. Rather than not a hook in the mouth, water. not a hook in the mouth, and slap up beside the head. Right. And the other thing is, played live. <laughs> You grow koi, right? So we've talked about this a lot because in my evolution learning uh, about uh, aquaponics and how exactly how I wanted to set things up, one of the things that we've talked about many times on the show is koi and how you can buy your fingerlings for a couple bucks. And then, you know, later on, you can sell that koi for $80 or even higher if you get the right species, as Steve would is really adept, knows a lot about. 
but you know, or, or trying to provide fit, you know, like using a fish stock that you can sell to pet stores. Have you ever done that or tried that at all? No, I haven't tried that, but it's, it's true. I, uh, there's a company here local that sell koi and the show yeah. them for show and all. And, uh, if you get the right markings on them, uh, it'd be worth a lot of money, but right. Even, even when we have the right markings around here, uh, with some good size, it's still worth a lot of money. I mean, there, there's a market in, in that. If you, uh, you know, if you know how, how it works and all get in there, there's, there's a good market for koi. I, I actually know a boy here that, uh, advertises them over the internet and he sells, he sells a lot. though just over the internet. It's, with or without their proper markings, right? He just, cause they're yeah, core. Yeah. It, you know, if it's got the right markings and then they're worth thousands. Right. Know, they could be it, hundreds of thousands. Size, size, they'll be worth hundreds. Uh, right. So. Yeah. You'll know, always be worth hundreds if you get them big enough, but you can mm -hmm. basically, I've been, I've been told by people, in fact, uh, you know, um, a company that I can't mention out in California that I know that the one of the things they take the $2 fingerlings and then they grow, they grow them to the size where they can get 80 to a hundred dollars for them, yep. you know, and they actually, cause they turn their system over and change the fish out. So they're not all too big so they can keep raising more small fish. So they well, use you, you can, uh, I mean, you can buy different grades of them. So you, you can buy them as a higher grade, uh, it's got the potential of the right markings and all uh, around here. So, if you were going to do aquaponics for uh, for the money and for business, that probably would be the way to way to go. Uh, another thing, uh, we've grown some flyers. Debbie's put some different species of flyers in there that's done real well, mm. and she's uh she's wanting to take one greenhouse and just do nothing but uh, potted flowers, uh, all the the little uh oh heck what you call it the, the little plastic container like you buy at Lowe's and them places in the springtime she's wanting to start flowers like that in aquaponics and well it's so. clamshells kind of thing right yeah but uh you know what the thing the uh peonies all right I, i've thought about flowers and the where the money's out on yeah it sounds like you guys don't need to be told you're I'm probably telling you something you already know or preaching i, know. I don't know at all i can tell you that right now peonies is the number one selling wedding flower peonies it's peonies. the number one flower used at weddings and weddings are billion dollar businesses you know yeah. And so if you want to have flowers, one of the things you need to include so you can sell them for weddings to places that do weddings and plan wedding planners. All, there's a big market out there already for you to reach out to and sell this to try see if you can grow peonies. Pe peonies? Yeah, just it's a wet peonies. Yeah, I'm not I, I want to say P-I-O-N-E-S-E, but I would just say wedding flower peonies and spell it however like I just did. And it's a wedding flower. It's one of the top wedding flowers uh or the number one wedding flower used at weddings uh you know it's not roses or just stuff like that's peonies so when there's a wedding if they have money if they're doing a the money they're spending money on the wedding the flowers are generally peonies and there's i think it's white too yeah i think i know what you're talking about uh it's like that eucalyptus we we've got the flower shop right here one that eucalyptus she's just now fixing to start harvesting off that one so uh, there's there's a market here uh, for the flower departments for that stuff. Oh yeah, there, it's all over. So yeah. you know, the thing is, we don't think about it when we start growing food, or yeah. you know, 
we, no, I know. We it, it might, add value to your farm. You know, right. There might be more value in them flowers than there are them tomatoes. Well, I'm telling you, that's a very good point. That's why I shared that with you. You know, I wasn't sure if you knew, but I do know that I'm thinking about once I get to aquaponics, I'm going to have a dedicated bed, you know, and I'm going to look at the value because I'm of the belief that I'm not going to do thousands of plants until I know I can sell them because I tried that already. I'm going to do, I'm going to do a bed or so with peonies and see when I want to, I want people wanting them when I don't have them. And then I'll know that, all right, now I'll make a whole greenhouse out of and grow peonies, you know, with aquaponics and all yeah. that, you know. So, but that's a flower. That's a high dollar. That's like a habanero of flowers. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm sharing with. I just, I'm just sharing that with you since you'll mention you. I'm saying you should get Debbie to sit in the chair beside you. And so, you know, cause she, she, she you know, you know, she usually won't let me do the talking. She's usually the one on here. I don't know what she's doing tonight. She, yeah. She's she was willing to have one in the class at the weekend. Oh, go ahead, Steve. Correct me if I'm wrong, but with the peonies, don't the don't you need ants to get the plants to properly bloom and pollinate? Isn't that correct? Or is that wrong? I, I'm not I don't know because I'm getting I'm looking into doing it, so I haven't researched that. I just know that I look at things that there you have the biggest margin. And that's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to do it. So since I haven't set up my new grow up, I don't have, I haven't done that research because I'm always doing research on what's currently happening. And I know that sounds like I'm not planning very well. And uh, if somebody else has an answer for that, I'm traditionally, traditionally in soil growing, at least they need the ants for the blooms to open. But again, I don't know if that's, a requirement or if that's just something that aids in the process i may have heard that and it was probably from you when i talked about peonies before <laughs> but since i haven't gotten to where i'm going to see what i'll do is it's not rocket science it's growing a flower and i granted you have to learn how to make it adapt to your system and environment and all that but i didn't do that research yet and i apologize so that's going to be my homework for the week i'm going to go and find out i would think you i don't know I don't, I don't know. I'm just going to say I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. Um, but basically, that's just pollination, and somehow there's always a way to do artificial pollination, I feel. You know, but ants might be what drags something from point A to point B. Of course, you know, then, yeah, that'd be kind of freaky to have incorporate where you needed ants to make your grow work. We have the, um, remember we had a couple of weeks ago, we had the woman from Italy that was growing saffron on aquaponics, remember? Oh yeah, well she was incredible. She, uh, Bob, you didn't, you, you probably didn't. I, maybe Steve can pull up the episode. But we had a young lady whose father is an aquaponics guy in Italy, and she was up at three o'clock in the morning talking to us and telling us all about like you're doing, like where I just do basic aquaponics. I don't, I don't have all the dual root zone and all these amendments, and I'm not messing with it too. I got you made it perfectly clear. I think you balanced the nitrogen with the. Uh, Ammonia, you get that. You got to get that balance. That's what you said. You yeah. have to get that balance. For you, it was the balancing the nitrogen and the ammonia. Right. So she, the, her father's kind of done that in Italy. Is you know, saffron? Is that what you said, saffron? Well, that's what Steve said. They well, they grow everything like you do, kind of, but they they do have specialties because you build your own niche in the market, yeah. and then that's what, like you said, some people. Like you said earlier, you mentioned, and I was always told, yeah, well, don't have any different things in your greenhouse. You're going to grow peppers, grow peppers. You're going to grow tomatoes. Yeah, I, 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 we hear that same thing. That's what everyone but you says. Know what? I want to eat. 
Yeah, I do too. I do too. And pepper, peppers every day get up after a while. I want hey, I got a cucumber for you to try. If you want to try the most crispest, the most crispy, best tasting cucumber I ever had, it's called a diva. And they sell them at Johnny Seeds. Johnny Seed? Yep. And it's in like that's a family owned farm that hadn't got bought out by the evil oh, yeah. demon Monsanto. Yeah, and, we, uh, we, we buy from them so. Oh, they, they, I've always loved them because if I call them up and say that I didn't have the germination rate that I thought I was going to get, they just send me another pack of seeds. And it was never, never, but I buy from them because they're family owned and it's all organic farming up in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but they've got a cucumber that won a blue ribbon for the best tasting cucumber ever. I have to look into that. It's called a diva. And they, and, and they tell them the best harvest four or five inches, which is great for making dills. You know, uh, but they're seedless, barkless cucumber also. But if you grow them about six to seven inches and chop yeah. them up, they're yeah. like, just throw some salt on them. It's incredible. I mean, it's always crunchy. I used to sell them, like, to the restaurants. They loved, they were nuts over these because they'd say, wow, they sit there all day and they're still crunchy at the end of the day in the in the salad bar. You know, so they really like that. How about, a, how about asparagus? Have you done asparagus in there? No, you know why I haven't done this? I wanted. I really want to do asparagus, and broccoli, but I'm scared away from the time asparagus it takes to get a harvest. Asparagus does really well. It takes quite a while. It's like right. long time where it's not doing anything other than growing through your media bed, um, which kind of sucks. That's um, why I don't do that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's too much of a downside to be commercially viable. Um, broccoli, broccolini is much better for aquaponic growers than broccoli. Broccoli just gets too big and takes up too much time. But a lot of broccolini, even in soil, is, you know, 30 days, you know, to start harvesting broccolini. And aquaponics, that's like 24. So uh, broccolini in particular, especially the red variety broccolinis, can be extremely profitable. Remember, brassicas uh, do very well on aquaponics because unlike other, um, most, uh, pretty much, almost all other our plants have no uh, endomycorrhizal um, um, companionship, so they don't have any mycorrhizae that they actually like to have in the root systems, unlike pretty much everything else we ever talk about. So that's why they do particularly well kale, mustard greens, cabbages, um, broccoli, you know, all your brassicas do, do really well on them. Yeah, and the Swiss chard does real well too. Those big. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. Yeah, all your all your beets and radishes do really well on aquaponics as well. Oh yeah, radish are growing anything. Uh, yeah. Is there uh, any other um, last tips or tricks before we let you go? Uh, what about pineapple? You ever tried pineapple? Oh yeah, I've done pineapple. The problem with pineapple is it it's, doesn't seem to take any time. Other, it'll grow really quickly, but in terms of fruiting, it it um. It doesn't really fruit any faster than it does in a normal soil grown, as far as I can tell. Now, I haven't really tried pushing it with a dual root zone and and really trying to crank it, but as best I can tell, it kind of has more of a fixed um, timeline as far as blooming, whereas like uh, peppers, cucumbers, tomatoes, all that, I can force them to bloom within two weeks of, of germination, but I can't. With the pineapple, there doesn't seem to... And cactuses. I've tried to make cactuses. I've grown um, uh, a prickly pear cactus from seed a couple of different times. 
a couple of other cactuses and they seem to also have a much more fixed timeline that you can't these well, they, like, they like dry climate too hard for them very hard to artificially speed them up um now i have a, i have some other cool tricks like phycocyanin and uh, isolates and some some other things i haven't tried those i haven't again i haven't tried pushing them the way i have cannabis and peppers but uh, i to a lesser extent cucumbers but uh, definitely um um i think that it's you know there's a handful of crops that have either genetics or the phenome type I'm working with, uh, or the cultivar, I guess, would be the other way to put it, um, are, are um, not particularly um, accepting of trying to speed them up in any way, even through aquaponics with the increased gas exchange. Well, I wanted to ask you something about the pineapple, getting back to that, though, Stephen. I would think when you say that, well, you didn't get to do the yield. Uh, pineapple is a tree, right? No, pineapple and is actually a... Um, um, a bromeliad. It's the only edible bromeliad uh, in the whole uh, family. But wouldn't it be a multi-year type plant? Yes, I believe it's the second or third year that it has it. When, when we did it, we, the plants I had were already started when I grew it, and they were already, I think, about a half a year to a year old. And by the second year, we got them to produce. But the, the fruit we got wasn't particularly large. Um, it was very extremely sweet. It tasted great, but the size wasn't really commercially viable plus you know the if you look at the way that um pineapples are commercially grown it's just one of those things that's not viable it's like fruit trees like unless you're do, growing them in canada or you know norway or sweden you know it doesn't make sense to do tropical fruit trees you know indoors unless you can get a premium oh indoors okay or, okay or, or, or to a lesser extent like like head broccoli or artichoke Okay, both of those plants are enormous, enormous plants that have to grow two and a half, three, four months before they're going to produce anything. And that simply just is not commercially viable for a gentleman like, like we have on the show right now, who, who you know is limited on, on grow bed space. I mean, you know, it just wouldn't make sense to dedicate a whole four by four or six by six area to a single plant. You know, unless it was diverted, like you said, you use unless he put it outdoors and diverted it. And let it did grow it like that. Yeah, I mean, it's the same way like CBD. High humidity, which pineapple comes from a humid region. Yeah, I mean, like, you mean, if you're going to do one or one, you know, below 5% CBD, it makes a lot more sense to do it in soil and supplement with aquaculture water than it does to do oh. it. And again, you were talking commercial viability. Yeah, again, this just talk comes down to how much time it takes to harvest, process, and, and package. Or, or whatever, you know, certain crops just simply do not make any sense to do monocoponics. So, you know, if, you're, if something takes more than three to four months, generally it's not worth it in aquaponics unless the margins are very, very good. But if you wanted to just grow a plant to have pineapples, it would be viable for somebody that wanted to do it for their own use. Well, if someone wants to throw one in their system at home, just in the corner, absolutely. You'll get a pineapple eventually. That's what I was getting. That's, that's what we've done. We just put that's a what I was getting plant at. going dual root zone just to see what it would do. And you're doing a dual root zone? Yeah. Yeah, that's what oh, we're doing with it. I wasn't sure about that. That's okay. I understand. Do some side by sides, man. Do, do yeah. some side by sides where you got the same same age uh, plant material. You'll be surprised, man. Yeah, see, that's awesome. Yeah, see, that's that's awesome information there. You know, to, you feed your fish to pineapple? Oh yeah, pineapples is probably these like if you have a TV crew coming over, and you're shooting a YouTube video. <laughs> 
And you want those fish to go ape shit and absolutely ballistic. You throw a little pineapple juice, you throw some pineapple chunks in there. They will go absolutely crazy, man. I don't care if they're carnivores or herbivores. They love pineapple. It's like giving sugar to a three-year-old, man. They will just go ballistic. Didn't you say that in the class? Didn't you teach that in your class the other day? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that, you brought that up in the class the other day. Yeah. That was a great class, everybody. The Stephen Marty's class on aquaponics and all. And uh, Debbie attended. Yeah, I, Debbie, I, yeah, I was, I was working on the system and all, but Debbie, she stuck with it all day. I hit and missed on it. Yeah, so that's a, a great tip if you have a fish that's not eating, it's a little bit sick, maybe a newer fish, and he doesn't have anything externally wrong with him. Um, you could have something internally wrong with him, especially the digestive tract, depending on what species of fish. Um, you know, feeding them garlic is definitely a good way to help make sure their digestive tract is nice and clean. And um, also a great way to entice a fish that's maybe just shy. Maybe he doesn't like all the noise or banging around or the air pumps or the new fish with the system or whatever, you know, whatever the stre thing stressing him out is. Um, garlic seems to be uh, something that entices fish or garlic and pineapple juice. You mix the two together, you know, put that juice on your, on your fish food and then put that in there nine times out of ten, they're going to get them to eat. That's, well, that's good to know. Yeah, that's a good one. That's good. I thought your water chemistry is okay, obviously. Well, I think that's all I know. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, doubt uh, that. I doubt that. Uh, <laughs> before we uh, wrap things up with you. Just say that again. Did you have any other questions for the panel before we start wrapping things up with uh, your segment? I, I don't have no more questions or anything. Uh, I would like to uh, invite you guys out sometime to see my place. Uh, everyone, everyone's welcome to it. Uh, uh, that's one thing I've always said about my place. It ain't, it ain't just mine. It belongs to everybody. So, here, here. I, and I, I, truly, I truly mean that. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I got everything to, everything I got to share from my knowledge to what I'm doing out there. And the good food you grow, right? And the food I grow, you can come eat all that you want. <laughs> <laughs> you got horses? Yeah, I got horses. I got goats. I got pigs. I got a llama. <laughs> I've got everything you can think of. <laughs> well, see, I love riding horses, and I've ridden across the country, and I won't get into that right now, but I've ridden. I'll get in contact with you, but if I came out, I'd want to be riding. If I go to Oklahoma, I want to ride a horse. I want to ride you have to get a horse. That's all we're about out here. Horses and rodeos. You got Mustang? <laughs> I used to have Mustangs. I don't have none right now. I, I just love got Mustangs, a man. couple of quarter horses and a couple of halflingers that pull a wagon. Sorry about the little sound there. That's not, that wasn't that bad. We've had some interesting sounds tonight, you know. You know, it's been great. Well, I tell you what, you're a great guest. I hope you stick around and listen to us shoot the shit and ask some questions, you know, like chime in and, you know, just use your, uh, 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 damn. <laughs> yeah, stoner moment, I guess. Uh, you're, you're, so you're, you, uh, use your sense of humor, you know, perspective. Go ahead. Yeah, I stuck here for a little bit. Why don't uh, why don't you tell people how to uh, find you and, and um, you know if they're looking for you guys online? It's uh, RiderFarmsAquaponics.com. It's on the internet. 
we do most of everything over Facebook, which is uh, Rider Farms is our produce site and Rider Farms Aquaponics. Uh, we probably do 90% of our communicating over uh, Facebook. So you can, uh, you can friend us and join us on there. Uh, uh, again, Rider Farms Aquaponics or Rider Farms. Uh, two different sites there. And then uh, riderfarmsaquaponics.com is a website. Got pictures? Do what? Got lots of pictures? Uh, I don't have a whole lot of pictures, but I'm, I will be putting a lot of pictures on here soon. I have uh, I've got a, another gentleman that's going to take over my website and take care of it for me and run it. And he has given me orders to get him lots of videos and lots of pictures. So okay. that will be coming here real soon. More okay. pictures equal cool. more sales, man. Yeah, yeah. Please visit. We'll bring you camera. Snap I, uh, I'm real good about getting my hands dirty, but I'm not real good on the uh, on this computer. <laughs> well, as yeah. opposed to a lot of guests that aren't used to a computer, your 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 voice and video came through perfect tonight. So kudos on that because we've had some nightmares, especially with people that never touch a computer. You know, I didn't have one till 2005, and I'm pretty adept at it now. But and Marty's an IT guy, but you know, you know, I, it, we, it's understandable that guys our age don't really, yeah, always, you know, pick up. You know, if we didn't have computers, didn't need computers, we don't really have them, you know, or didn't know how to work on them. But you know, you did great, man. I mean, and your your system worked great. Yeah, exactly. was, you were clear all night. That's a real kudos to the, to that. The, in fact, everybody everybody had good good uh, quality tonight. It's been great. Well, I enjoyed it. I did. I really enjoyed this tonight. I'll be looking forward to doing this more often. Well, I know Steve will invite you back. I think Steve sends you will send you a link every week. So if you ever just want to sit in, I mean, I, if I'm not over speaking, Steve, I think you're always welcome to sit in on any week that you get an invite, and Steve sends everybody an invite. So oh, yeah. you know, yeah. if you see something interesting, you can come back and join us anytime, any week. Very Thanks for information. I'm very interesting. I'll definitely be back. Thanks for joining us, um, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to come out. It's been a little, I what, five or ten episodes. What was the last talk upon his guest we had on the show? Was was uh, I wasn't doing cannabis. Was that Ricosi? Was the last one? So. I'm not sure. We've done. We've been doing a lot of regenerative, organic stuff and studies on mycorrhizae, fungi, and bacteria, and and, and stuff like that, and humic acid where we're not always about hydroponic or aquaponics anymore it's never been about hydroponics but um but but we do so much going into steve's introduced and and allowed to the show to grow from being just an aquaponics show to being a show about growing food and medicine and and it doesn't matter what it's about or the topic we've we've had packaging we've had guys that teach you how to package your products or have packaging and they came on and told us that when you do packaging, don't try to get this fancy guy that grows packaging in, in California or New England, get a guy that's in Oklahoma or Texas, yeah. somewhere near you, Nebraska, where he's got a packaging plant and have him make you custom packaging or whatever it is. So we've, we've had lighting specialists, um, you know, we've got all these great, we've had doctors, so many doctors on the show. I can't even believe I get to talk to these guys. You know, yeah. I said last week, if I would have gone to college and been able to ask the professor questions, in the middle of his lecture, like we do here, you yeah. know, I've learned a lot more. You know, yeah. this. Thank you for joining us. Um, 
it was a lot of fun having you on. Um, again, for those of you who weren't able to, uh, to uh, you know, uh, uh, check it out on the video cast, his uh, website is riderfarmsaquaponics.com. Right. So description, and then we'll also have a link to his Facebook as well. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks, Debbie, too. Yep, thank you. Yeah, so what's up? Can I ask what's up with Mr. Green Jeans? Because we didn't have his pleasure having him on the show. Oh, hold on a second. He's got some background. He's got a rock concert going on back there. I noticed that Mr. Green Jeans sometimes has friends over and they sit in the background and play guitar. You know. It doesn't bother me. I don't care about the music, really. Oh, you know, why don't we? Uh, why don't we go to uh, Marty next? Since um, oh, he's earlier to bed than us. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I got to take off here in a couple minutes. I'm fading fast, and uh, oh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to go put the kids to bed, and they'll probably put me to sleep tonight. It's been a long day, but uh, but yeah, just wanted I wanted to give uh, Mr. Green Jeans a shout out again. Uh, Thank you. He uh, allegedly helped out a friend of mine, and uh, you know a lot of people talk about helping out our vets, but some people actually do it. No questions asked. Drop them in the mail. <laughs> and uh, the forest green. You know, That's some awesome. people, some people just here. do it and don't just talk about it. And I, and I really appreciate it. That's my name. Um, and so does he. So he's probably listening. <laughs> yeah. name my awesome. <laughs> And, it uh, sounds so, other than that, in, the, in the garden. <laughs> I'm about six okay. uh, half weeks in the flower. Uh, almost seven. Well, no, seven weeks tomorrow, I think. So uh, probably about another week and a half left on the cookies, and maybe two, two and a half weeks on the grape stomper. So pretty excited for that. Um, it's uh, my birthday on the 22nd, so I'm hoping that I'll, I'll get some cookies for my birthday, but we'll, we'll see how she cooperates and uh, whether or not she's done. So, um, But yeah, other than that, uh, bug-free. Uh, the class was great. Had a, had a great time with that. Steve did a fantastic job. Um, all of our students were great, had great questions. Uh, just um, a whole lot of fun and, a, and just a pleasure to be a part of. So. Uh, thanks, Steve, for I'm basically putting most of that together, and uh, it was uh, it was fun. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. Yeah, it's a lot of, always fun to, to do the aquaponics class. We did a really awesome online class this this time. We had a great batch of students. Um, for those of you guys that are looking to check it out, um, we're actually going to do another sale um, between now and Christmas, uh, which is December 25th. <laughs> Pacific time, um, we'll actually be doing uh, $50 off again. Uh, so if you're looking to you know, get a last minute Christmas gift for someone that's um, looking to go aquaponics, uh, you, know, you can get them a class. We will, the next class will be November, or I'm sorry, February 9th and 10th. So while it will be about a month after Christmas, um, that's a great, great thing to check out. Uh, I know Marty's got a bunch of plants going. I'll actually have my plants. I'll have a couple in flower or mid-flower, and then I'll have some in veg. Um, that'll be ready to go as well. Marty will have his stuff in, in there ready to go. And, um, yeah, we'll have a bunch of new stuff. I know I'll have some 
some new pictures and some new footage to show off uh, by next class. Lots of different cool things happening. This next year is going to be really insane, especially in the first three months. So I'll have uh, all kinds of cool things to show you guys as, uh, as that's allowed. And uh, what else do we got going on? Yeah, no, it's always fun to do the classes. Um, we'll have the, the dates for all of uh, 2019. Marty and I were just finalizing those for the aquaponic cannabis class here. The next day or two, we'll have all those up. So if you're looking to you know, check it out in any particular month next year, we'll have all those up as well. Yeah, and hopefully I'll be, you know, right about, you know, I'm trying to be in mid-flower most of the time just because it's a good sort of teaching time. And um, and I'll, I'll have some stuff to trim up. That's one thing that we didn't have this weekend um, was anything to trim up um, or close the cut. We should have that on the next round. We did have the digital microscope this time, which was kind of fun to check out the beneficial bugs under the microscope. They're a little hard to catch because they, they move pretty fast, but it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was cool. I enjoyed it. So we'll have that again, and then um, we'll cut some clones and be able to load those up. So it'd be a good time. And I got to say, I was, you know, having been invited to the class last week, um, you guys, it's way beyond aquaponics. There, uh, there's there's information on how to properly set up a greenhouse in different climates, uh, to, to make uh, your heating and cooling uh, better you know, more viable or, you know, make, just make it easier on your plants and, and less out of your pocket. There's so much information and that's really key. If you're trying to do uh, that kind of deal where you're going to build any kind of greenhouse, if you get that information, everything that Steve teaches and Marty teaches is scalable. It's all scalable. So, you know, regardless of what size, you know, the way Steve put it together with his slides and, uh, you can you can actually see how to build a farm so it's way more than just aquaponics it was it was extremely uh invigorating and educational uh everybody was excited throughout the entire two days i overslept both days because life is a bitch and i didn't i didn't make it to the start of either class <laughs> but it like and then mr green jesus said this many many times the class is extraordinary there is so much information and the way these guys have put it together and worked together for many, many classes, it comes off and you learn. You just, you're, you're on the edge of your seat. If you're into this, I mean, I, I guess if you're not into it, you're, you're, but you wouldn't be paying that kind of money, even though it's not that expensive, you wouldn't be paying that money. Uh, that, uh, last year I actually had a kid his dad was really into aquaponics and really wanted his son to be into aquaponics. So he bought him a class and I think the kid spent two thirds of the time playing on his phone and just had no desire to learn any of it. I was just like, what? why are you here, man? Just go home. <laughs> it's the only person I've ever had that didn't enjoy my class. And it was just, you know, whatever. <laughs> but like you said, unless you're not there to, unless you're just not interested, you'll get a lot out of class. We lose Roger. Anyways, uh, we've had everybody on the panel here. As uh, me and Marty are teachers, and the two of you guys have taken the class. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got a phone call. What did you ask me, Steve? I don't even remember now. Okay. Um, well, you were probably saying how great I was on the show, and you're a great student. Yes. Yeah, definitely what it was. We were commenting on best student ever. Roger is. 
Well, you know, it, it was fun because, you know, you guys didn't, you know, well, you know, if you invite me to something for six hours or something, I'm going to talk sooner or later. But, you know, you guys didn't get upset with that. And you felt like we did a good thing. You know, uh, it, it, the class went good. And, and we got, you know, one of the things is, I think, in that kind of class is to get the students involved. And so maybe I was just the catalyst to help get, because after I started asking questions, the students, I think, started asking more questions. And, and all in all, again, so much information. And uh, I see Marty, Marty, yeah, he, I, he's, so, he's so animated right now, but uh, uh, he's thinking, that must be Marty thinking. But I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to take this phone call. I'm sorry. I'll be back in a few minutes. All right, Roger. Thanks. All right, Steve, we're going to take off. You guys have a good night. Oh, leave me. Mr. Green Jeans just said he'll be back in a minute. <laughs> I'm trying to discuss the very important federal news, you know, abandoning ship. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So before, uh, I guess before we get to anything else, um, very important federal news happened just in the last day or two. Um, hemp is now going to be federally legal under the current farm bill. Um, there's some really screwed, screwed up shit in the farm bill as far as like authorizing the war in Yemen and a bunch of other really underhanded bullshit. But the point is, is that um, the hemp bill, uh, which is currently part of the bill, which uh, part of the farm bill, which is going to pass, it's already passed the Senate, already passed the House. It just needs to be signed off by uh, the uh, orange dipshit in office. And um, it's going to legalize hemp production as well as the isolation of all of its compounds. So assuming that your plant material was above 0.03% THC, which is the internationally recognized standard, you would be able to uh, produce can you know, hemp, any state of the union, uh, completely legally, along with any other derivatives from cannabis, you know, as long as it's not THC. Now, there's some weird caveats with this. The DEA wants to reschedule CBD as Schedule 5, which would require all producers to have an ISO uh, lab, which is kind of a basic medical grade lab. It also would totally change the legality of it as well. So you could see some really weird and, you know, maybe um, things that are very much against the way we currently, currently understand the market in the very near future. Um, I think well, the data. You know, because there's already legal CBD markets that are... Well, technically it's operated in kind of a gray area until this recent, until this about this last month in November. Right. ruling on the DEA stuff with the CBD. And now you have a federal, you know, federal protections for hemp uh, coming through here in the next couple of days. But it's going to allow federally legal any state of the union to start producing, you know, cannabinoids that aren't THC and in a pretty large way that did not exist before. It's going to change both uh, the U.S. Um, you know market as well as international markets because you know, shortly thereafter they're going to be able to open up import exports. So it's really going to change the whole market in a way that we haven't really seen in the United States before, and it'll be very interesting to see how this all shakes out. Um, this is, you know, a game changer, an absolute game changer. It's going to change banking, uh, at least for hemp producers and a whole bunch of other stuff. Where you know, even if you're just a hemp producer and you had a vegetable farm, you're growing soybeans and corn and stuff. And the moment you grow hemp, and banks won't touch you. You can't get crop crop insurance. You can't get, 
a lot of things that are, are typically protected. And then I think the other thing I wanted to bring up on this, because I've actually had a chance to talk to a couple of Canadian people in the last, what, 72 hours since this was first announced. This was super fucking underhanded and scummy corporate bullshit. And I want to bring this up because I, I have not heard this by a single other person. And I, I really want to bring this up. So the United States played a huge role in helping shape the current uh, legislation for cannabis and hemp and cannabinoids in Canada. Okay. Threats for both funding and DEA stuff and a whole bunch of other political bullshit went into crafting and, and mostly banking and things like that went into crafting the current hemp and cannabis legislation in Canada. Now, what this means in layman's terms is the medical uh, hemp, cannabis and hemp falls under the medical uh, and cannabis and drug regulations of Canada. What the United States, and this includes CBD and derivatives, you know, and products. What this means for the United States is, and Canada, is that the United States basically just grabbed Canada by the balls, forced them to pass it as a drug and regulate it as a drug. And then immediately, not two months later or three months, you know, what is it? Two months after legalization, the United States comes through and passes hemp as a commodity, not as a drug, which is completely different in terms of regulatory structure, banking rules, um, international trade restrictions, all that kind of shit. And basically like led them by the nose and completely backstabbed Canada and kicked them in the teeth and, and, and screwed their whole market, um, you know, for the betterment of the United States. And, <laughs> That's, I mean, it's classic United States, but it's been a while since they've done something that ballsy on a market like this. And it's something that needs to, very least, needs to be pointed out because it's it's fucked up. It's it's wrong, and I don't, I haven't heard anyone else bring up that that point on on the way that that whole thing went down. And maybe it's because I have a weird viewpoint where I'm straddling the border, working with people on both sides of the border, but it's a really weird situation that, you know, hasn't really been publicly um, made aware of it or, you know, the public education on that has been very, I guess, not vocal for lack of a better term. Does anyone here have any thoughts on that? There's everyone uh, AFK. Alrighty. <laughs> I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> Maybe dozing off a little bit, though. I'm seriously fading hard. Um, yeah, I do think that it, you're going to see a ripple, like, that, because they can't even keep it right no matter what they try to do. And so the fact that they want to reschedule it to something else instead of just remove regulation across the board still seems silly to me. Like, why they even bother isolating out like part of it like i mean i guess i kind of get it but prohibition never makes sense to me to begin with like it it's good in that it's federal deregulation on a certain level but it's still gonna because you're trying to isolate certain parts of the plant and create regulation and like do all this extra bullshit on top of it it's all gonna have cost and create markets and 
people are going to want to have local control and county control and a lot of the same shit that you see happen in regular cannabis markets. So uh, like, yeah, it might be good on some level a step forward, but at the same time, like still not, um, still not there by any means. And I, and I think it's just going to cause problems. Like, I think that's what it comes down to. Like it might open up certain opportunities, especially in states that, that didn't have anything before. And that's, that's great. So I don't want to like piss on their parade or anything, but um, I, I think it would be good for the overall industry. Like the things attached to growing, I think it, it are going to profit off of it. And that that's definitely good. Hopefully that you know regulation is usually bad for small growers like we've seen in pretty much every state that has legalized and added regulation they've destroyed medical markets with successful small growers so on on one hand it could be really bad for for small growers on the other hand it could open up the door for a lot of really small growers in other states that had no doors whatsoever so it's kind of a mixed bag for me yeah it's gonna be really weird to see how this all shakes out what i'm hoping is is that this is the the ram that finally kicks the door down for proper banking regulations for our industry that would be wonderful if i can get a wish you know on a star for 2019 it'd be fucking awesome if i didn't have to deal with crazy bullshit just to do banking <laughs> can i ask for something that simple please not have to carry massive amounts of cash everywhere yeah, that'd be nice. The whole crazy cockamamie bullshit you have to do to, to, to move money from point A to point B regardless. Yeah, for sure. I'm All right, man. I got to take off. Sorry to leave you solo. Hopefully Roger comes back soon. If not, <laughs> I will see you guys next week. Or Mr. Green Jeans. Or Mr. Green Jeans. I will see you again next week. Thanks for the class. It was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. I right, see you guys later. Yeah. Um, so thanks, everybody. Uh, I just wanted to bring up that, um, that topic on the, uh, the federal legalization of hemp. I think it's extremely important. It's going to have far-reaching implications. I know people definitely in Canada have been losing their minds uh, <laughs> over the decision. Um, in the United States, there's a lot of people that I, I don't think the United States industry understands the implications of this quite yet. And it'll be interesting to see how this further affects federal law and regarding cannabis and cannabinoids and isolates. You know, how there, there's zero way to tell a difference between CBD derived from a plant above 0.03% THC and below. So this, you know, will also affect the black market in a way I don't think anyone really can kind of foresee yet. So. It'll be very interesting to see how this all shakes out. Um, I also want to say a big shout out to uh, Scotty and uh, the dude over at Dude Grow Show. I was over there on the show this week. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, go check it out. We had a cover decarboxylation and a couple of other cool things over on the Dude Grow Show. Uh, I believe it was Monday or Tuesday. I think it was Monday I was on the show. So definitely go check that out. That was a lot of fun. And um, we have uh, Josh from Dutch Blooms. I'll be uh, hanging out with him and uh, uh, Leighton from Kingdom Aquaponics and a bunch of other, other guys um, uh, from previous episodes um, in Santa Rosa for the Emerald Cup this weekend. 
And um, they also have the Regenerative Organic Cannabis Conference, where they're bringing speakers from all over the world. Um, some of the best in the field, you know, Dr. Faust, uh, Susan Mayward Evans, uh, Dr. Lane Ingham, uh, Dragonfly Earth Medicine, uh, you know, pretty extensive list, uh, Dr. Efron, a whole bunch of different people that come in and speak about uh, all different types of cannabis products. It's a really enjoyable conference, probably the most educational, if not the most educational conference that there really is in the cannabis industry in terms of cultivation. You definitely don't want to miss it. You can check that out at regenerativeorganiccannabis.com or in the description uh, if you're uh, a little bit lazier uh, or don't want to have to type that out. Uh, Marty and I also, again, will be doing uh, uh, $50 off between now and Christmas for our online aquaponic cannabis class. It's a great gift for people. Uh, if for a loved one that wants to learn how to grow uh, aquaponic cannabis or uh, you know your spouse or whatever, uh, you know even if you don't love them, you still want to get them something nice. You can still get it for them. <laughs> Anyways, um, you know, shout out to them too. And then um, uh, thanks for all of our panelists, as always. Big shout out to Ryder Farms Aquaponics for taking the time to join us. Uh, I want to thank everyone that was in the class over the weekend. And um, what else do we have going on? There was another cannabis-related thing I wanted to bring up, and I don't remember what it is now because it's been a little bit of a long day. I've been traveling like a maniac. I got to go over to the airport here in a couple of hours to go back out to the Emerald Cup. So um, for those of you going out to the Emerald Cup, uh, be sure to hit me up on Facebook or on email or on YouTube or on Instagram um, at Potentponics, uh, whichever you prefer. And um, yeah, thanks a lot for joining us. I'm trying to think if there's anything else going on. Yes, uh, you can check out the aquaponic cannabis class that Marty and I teach at potentponics.com. And you can check out the store section where it says classes and more. And uh, big shout out to True Aquaponics for um, uh, also listing our class up on their website. If you're looking for nutrients, go check them out over there. Uh, shout out to Spectrum King as well. Um, they uh, uh, help us out a lot for the, the classes as well. They've donated uh, lights in the past for us to do side-by-sides and stuff. And um, thanks for everyone that watches. Uh, I you know, really appreciate everyone that watches the show. I've actually had three separate uh, emails in the last week that were uh, kind of thank yous for helping me get them people started in their aquaponic and cannabis journeys. So uh, it really means a lot. And uh, you know, thank you for those and uh, keep them coming. And uh, if you haven't uh, checked out previous episodes, you can check them out over at soundcloud.com slash potentponics. You can check them out on iTunes. Um, WeTube, WeTV, and uh, YouTube. So thanks for everyone for watching, and um, we'll catch you guys again next time. Cheers.